Thank you for tuning in to our podcast today. We know your life will be changed for the better by listening to God's word. If you'd like to know more about Trinity Beaumont or contribute to our ministry, please visit www.trinitybeaumont.com. Awesome. Well, um, my, my next favorite part is introducing our speaker because she's one of my friends. She's really cool. Uh, she's been here a couple times. Oh, yeah. I'm so sorry. Pass the buckets out, I guess. Wow. Super sorry. Well, while they're passing out the buckets, <laughs> um, I get a, t- a chance to talk about Jessica Tate. Yeah. Come on up. Come on up, Jessica. Uh, yeah. We love Jessica Tate so much. Every time she's here, yeah, go ahead and let's stand. Give honor to whom honor is due. Yay, Jessica. Every time you're here, she's like, okay, all right, thanks, everybody. Every time you're here, it's without fail. We're so blessed by you and your obedience, and so we're so thrilled hanging on the edge of our seats, right? That's your cue. Be hanging on the edge of your seat for the word that God is about to bring forth through this incredible vessel. We love you so much, and we're excited. Do I have to stay up here? No. Praise the Lord. Amen. I'm not your typical speaker. If you've never been around me before, I'm going to take my shoes off because I'm home, right? And don't judge me about my pedicure. I've been traveling. I haven't had a chance. So just you ladies out there, I'm sorry. Oh, I'm excited. It feels like coming home when I come back here. So it's super fun. For those of you who don't know me, I, my name is Jessica Tate. I grew up just about 40 minutes from here in Liberty, Texas, booming metropolis. We have a Walmart. When I grew up, that was called the mall. And if you know that area at all, people drive for about 20 minutes to go to the Walmart there. So that was a really, really big deal. I now live outside of Sao Paulo, Brazil, which is a 23 million person metroplex. So I'm still a little culturally uncomfortable most days. Um, And I just, I love, 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 love this church. And so I honestly, our hearts beat for the same things. Um, I truly, 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 I don't, you know, you know, I don't just blow smoke for no good reason. I am honored to be here to celebrate this with you guys. And and I honor you and what you've built here. And um, I'm just always amazed at how this church feels like family. And I love that. And to be honest, you don't walk into every church these days and feel family. And so that's, it's, uh, it's exciting for me to be here. I'm going to tell you guys some stories. I believe God has some fun stuff for us today. I'm going to try not to trip over my shoes. Um, yep, let's do that. Let's just go ahead and, all right, now I will not trip over my shoes. I get a little active. Just take a deep breath, okay? Listen, today, today will not be your normal day. If you've never heard me speak, it's a little chaotic. I don't ever really know what Holy Spirit's going to do. I'm a firm believer in uh, just letting Holy Spirit have fun in church. Anybody else? Like, I'm not really big on, like, traditional programs. So... If you feel uncomfortable, it's okay. Holy Spirit makes me uncomfortable all the time. So we're all in this together, all right? I want to tell you a story. Um, I've been sharing this a lot over the last couple of years because the Lord used um, a five-year-old boy to teach me something about the kingdom. And he has been unpacking this now for me for literally two years And so I I first moved to Brazil. I I worked at Bethel Church for three and a half years, and then I moved to Brazil. I've been there for two and a half years. 
And when I first moved, I was meeting one of my friends. I'd been going doing itinerant stuff there for years. And they have a little boy, five years old. His name is Samuel. 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 I can't say it in English anymore. Samuel? Samuel. Yeah. Samuel in Portuguese. And Samuel comes running up to me the first night. I get there and he jumps in my arms and he starts screaming at me in Portuguese. Because I didn't speak the language, right? And I'm sitting there like being attacked, like, I don't know, he's yelling at me and I don't know what he's saying. And I'm asking my friend, what is he saying? And she said, he is saying, he will be your Portuguese teacher and you will teach him English. I thought, oh God, what am I getting signed up for here? Because Samuel is one of those little boys, some of you might know little sweet ones like this, they're ready to be president, right? Like, I can tell you how to run your life. I am ready. I am equipped. Listen to me, and I will teach you the way to go. That's Samuel. So about three weeks later, we'd been playing this game. The whole three weeks I'd been there, he would point at something, and he would say the name in Portuguese and make me repeat it, and then he would say, say tell me what it is in English, and I would tell him in English, and we'd kind of been playing this game together, learning words, and we were having a conference at the church, and I was in an important conversation about revival, you know, like one of those intense, you had those before? Like I'm sitting with a pastor in the green room of the church and what is God doing and what does revival look like in our generation and what does the church need to do to partner with God for revival and we're sharing our thoughts and our experiences and this is when Samuel thought it was a good time for a Portuguese lesson. So Samuel comes running up to me and he takes this thing that looks like a stick and he puts it, can I use you, Pastor Becky? He puts it in front of my mouth. Now listen, if you've ever been in a moment with an intense five-year-old and he's going, and I've got a stick in front of my mouth, a five-year-old screaming at me, a pastor waiting for the next conversation piece that we're having. And, and sometimes those moments are a little stressful. Parents, in here? Yeah? And, and what's your first thought? How do I calm this child down? Right? And so I just did what felt like the most normal thing in the moment. I licked the stick. <laughs> Seemed like the right thing to do. And immediately I regretted that decision as a horrible taste flooded my mouth and I started gagging. <laughs> and then Samuel, in the midst of my pain and choking, decides to get angry. So then he starts screaming at me. I'm like, I don't know what's happening. His mom comes over to me and she's like, what'd you do? And I'm like, what's he saying? She said, he says, I told you to smell it, not lick it. She said, oh my Lord, what did I just lick? She said, it's the stick from the oil air freshener on the side of the room. Yeah, you feel my pain, right? I woke up after, I brushed my teeth a hundred times that night and the next morning and I wake up and, and I can still taste it in my mouth and God begins to speak to me. 
He says, Jessica, you're in a new culture. And yeah, God, I know. I can taste my lack of language in my mouth. He says, they do things differently than you. I said, yeah, God, I know. I've been kissed more times in the last three weeks living in Brazil than in my entire life in the States. Because in Brazil, they greet everybody with one or two or three even kisses on your cheeks. I'm single. I know I have a ring on today, but I'm single, so don't worry. I don't have a loveless marriage. I'm not married. I just, that's why I hadn't been kissed so much. <laughs> just thought I should make that clear before y'all try to put me in marriage counseling. <laughs> I'm going, God, I, I know. It's different. And he said, Jessica, here is the problem with my church. They're in a, a new culture. They have been translated from darkness into light. They're no longer citizens of earth. They are citizens of heaven. You are seated in heavenly places. You have a new culture. And he said, but the problem is, most of the church is more aware and more familiar with their natural culture than their new culture. And we pray this prayer. Listen, I, Bethel Church, I love it. They've kind of made this, church, this prayer famous, if you can make a prayer famous. God, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Right? And he said, Jess, many, many believers are praying that prayer, but they don't even know what it's like in heaven. If the kingdom were to show up on earth, they wouldn't even know what it looked like. <laughs> I'm not trying to spank you. I'm telling you how he spanked me. You take it for yourself however you want. <laughs> and I'm laying there going, oh my goodness. I am more American in some of my mindsets, some of my ways and some of my reactions. I am, I am more American sometimes than I am kingdom. And do you understand that any time that kingdom becomes a contradiction with your nationality or your race or where you grew up or even your income status or your way of thinking or the culture of the day of what they're saying on the news, CNN or Fox or whatever your choice is, any time that that culture that I've been immersed in contradicts with kingdom culture, I am supposed to choose kingdom. Because you are now more kingdom. Your DNA is kingdom. Not American. The Lord bless you and keep you and make your face shine upon you. We can all go now. Right? Two, two years. Two years I've been sitting with this going, oh my gosh. And do you know how many times when you open up the Gospels, the, the Lord says, the kingdom of heaven is like. The kingdom of heaven is like. The kingdom of heaven is like. And all of a sudden a light bulb came on. I go, wow. He actually wants us to know what the kingdom of heaven is like. I've read that a thousand times. And never once thought, oh, knowing what the kingdom is like is actually important. Is that just me? Okay, I'm going to quit. 
spent the last two years literally just going, okay, God, what's the kingdom like? Because if I'm going to go around preaching the gospel around the globe, and honestly, you guys support uh, Yielded Ministries, what we do. We have bases in South America. I travel around the world. This church is a, a generous and kind supporter of that. If I'm going to keep going around the world to bring the kingdom of heaven to earth, I better know what that kingdom's like. And I'm going I'm to challenge you a little bit today, okay? I intentionally choose to let Holy Spirit step on toes because I feel like if he does it to me, you should suffer also. Amen. Right? Amen. We're all in this together. But I, I want to challenge you that we actually, we actually have stepped into a new season in the church. And, and I hate using the word new because it's really just the repeat of a season we should have never gotten out of. I'm just being honest. So I'd been spending all this time studying the kingdom. What's it like? What's it like? What's, what is the king like? If I want to know how a society operates, then I need to know the heart of the king. There's a big start. What's he like? What's he dislike? What's he prioritize? What's he says is important? What does he say is not important? What did Jesus choose to do in moments? And why did he choose to do that? Because if he is my role model and he is the one who I am like, then I, I want to know how he thinks, right? And so I'd been studying this and studying this and honestly getting agitated in my spirit. Do you ever study something and then start getting a little agitated? Because you're like, what I'm experiencing and what I'm reading and seeing and hearing from you feels so different. And so we're in the middle of COVID and I'm, I'm reading this kingdom comes in power. But I know people who've gotten sick. I'm just going to be, listen, I, I don't know sub subjects is off limits with me. I will repent to you. If I offend you, you can come talk to me about anything. But I don't know how to be anything but authentic, okay? I'm just being honest. And so I'm dealing with this tension in the middle of COVID of like, I, I know people who have died. Genuinely, I do. I, I know I'm supposed to be in fear, not, I'm sorry, I'm supposed to be in faith, not fear. Fear is actually illegal in the kingdom, by the way. And fear, we know this, but fear is actually faith. It's just faith in the wrong thing, okay? So it's, it is a misuse of your faith to be in fear. So, so I know these truths, and I'm dealing with these tensions, and I'm seeking the heart of the Father, and I'm going, how do we bring the kingdom of heaven where there is no sickness, How do we bring the kingdom of heaven where there's no division? Do you understand that people aren't jockeying for position in heaven? There's not accusation in heaven. Do you realize that? And here we have believers going, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You stupid Which kingdom do you want to be a part of? Which culture do you want to live in? Kingdom or America? And listen, I say it to Brazilians too. Kingdom or Brazil? Which culture do you want to be a part of? Make a choice. 
And this is what is happening in this season. And I'm sorry if I get a little intense. I'm passionate about it. The Lord has been drawing a line in the sand and saying, make a choice. Make a choice. Because for too long the church wants one foot in my American culture. I want to keep the things that benefit me. I want to keep the things that feed my ego. I want to keep the things that put a safety net around me. But I want to claim to be kingdom. And you can't have both. And I'm going to say this and people don't like it. So much of what this last season has been has been the mercy of God to bring a revealing to the house of God. It has been the mercy of God that we've been shaken. Not judgment, mercy. You get an opportunity to make a choice because we've been apathetic, we've been settled, we've held on to our fear and our faith. Bill Johnson preached, listen, I I know I'm from Bethel, so I quote Bill a lot. I I really honor him and really love his sermons. If you go watch his July 11th sermon, he said something that was, to me, so prophetic for the body of Christ. And he just said, we've allowed too many seeds to grow in our garden. And what's happening is a season where Holy Spirit's saying, pick out the weeds. That's the mercy of God, not the judgment of God. The judgment of God would be for you to find that out the day you died. I don't want to find that out then. I want to find it out now. And so fast forward a little bit to what we're doing. I I'm, I'm promise I'm not going to preach on COVID the whole time. It's so easy to do in this season. It was coming time for Pentecost, and I was preaching in our, our church in Brazil, and I was just preparing a A typical Pentecost sermon, to be honest with you. I was reading through Acts 1 and Acts 2. To give a little background, we're a Baptist church that got hit by Holy Spirit, grew to 18,000 people. So we still teach some real foundational things because a lot of people in our church were cessationists two years ago, you know? So when we get up there and you got Randy Clark comes and he says, come Holy Spirit, people start flipping out of their chairs and our church is like, I don't have a theology for that, you know? I don't know what to do. And so we, we try to teach pretty foundational things on our Sunday mornings for the things that we believe as far as the, the things of the, the Spirit, uh, Pentecost, healing, prophetic, all that kind of stuff is still pretty new to our church. And so I was just studying Acts 1 and 2, the basics of Pentecost again, getting prepared to preach the sermon, and I heard the Holy Spirit speak to me so loud. You know those times when it's like it's in your knower, but it's like you can hear it because it's so firm and so loud. And he spoke to me and he said, Jeff, it's time for Pentecost. I said, yes, sir. I, I know it's Sunday. I think this was like Friday. I was like, I'm preparing Lord. He said, no, Jessica, it's time for Pentecost. Yes, sir. I uh, don't know what you want me to do. Like I'm reading Acts 2. (laughs) Am I missing something? And then he said this, Jessica, it's time for Pentecost and it never should have ended. I believe in the gifts. Are you trying to convince the Baptist? Are you trying to convince me? I don't know. Like, I'm a little confused on what's happening here. 
And I start reading and he starts speaking to me out of Acts 2. And I want to tell you something that there are some, some strategic things that Holy Spirit has been doing in this season. I just came out of... Um, Revival meetings literally in three different nations where I saw Holy Spirit doing similar things in all three different nations. We were in the cornfields of Kentucky. Not kidding. This is USA, okay? This is not Brazil where people say the fire of the Lord's blowing up. It's not the Middle East where the underground church is thriving. This is US of A. And I watched people start coming up to get baptized without anybody calling them at 6 p.m. And baptisms kept going until 11.30 p.m. without stopping. Thousands saved and baptized. Thousands. We saw signs, miracles, and wonders, some things that I've been praying my whole life to see. We had a service one morning, and I won't talk about this forever, but we preached. Holy Spirit came. How many of you guys know if he shows up, you shut up and just let him do what he wants to do, right? So I'm preaching, and Holy Spirit came into the room, and people um, just started falling on their faces under the power of God. Some of them, we couldn't even pick them up to move them. Also, you know it's God when they're face down in the mud. Mud. Wasn't carpet. It was the mud. And these kids start ministering. And I'm, I'm honestly, I always tell Holy Spirit, like, I'm just here to, to watch you do what you want. And you like to tell me. I'll move when you tell me to move. And I'm sitting there and we're watching Holy Spirit move. And I said, okay, God, what do you want to do? And he pointed out a friend of mine. He said, I'm doing what she's doing. So I look for her and I find her. And she's got six kids and she's taking them around praying for people. So I said, okay, you're doing that. We're going to do that too. You know, that's also another tip there. If you're in ministry, do what he's doing. It's real successful that way. So I go back and I said, listen, God's doing what you're doing. Can you bring the kids up? She brings the kids up and the kids start praying for people and people start having heavenly encounters in the mud. Then somebody asked the kids, what do you want to do next? And they said, uh, we want to pray for Jessica. I said, Okay, I'm supposed to be leading the meeting, but I'm not going to miss this moment, right? So I get on my knees, I, I let them pray for me, and then they said, you're supposed to get baptized. So they baptize me with a water bottle. I go up into a heavenly encounter. In the middle of that, they start saying, anybody else want to be baptized by the kids? They start bringing water bottles over, and over 100 people end up getting baptized by kids. Over half of them had heavenly encounters that morning. Insane. In the U.S. of A., Five-year-olds, six-year-olds, seven-year-olds baptizing people. I didn't get to go to the other events, but they then met in southern Kentucky in the Red River Meeting House where the Second Great Awakening occurred. They saw the same thing. Signs, miracles, and wonders, salvations, and baptisms. People getting baptized in Holy Spirit. They went to North Carolina. The same thing happened. In the middle of that, I went over to Switzerland. We were in Switzerland. We had about 100 people inside a room. We were meeting up in the mountains and um, this couple shows up one afternoon and they said, we've been praying for 50 years for revival. The Lord told us to drive up here and said that he's pouring out his spirit uh, to prepare people for revival up in these mountains. We think it's going to happen in this room. So then this older couple, now these are in their 80s. They've been praying for revival for 50 years. Holy Spirit directs them to a place where a secret meeting was going on. Nobody knew it was happening. They start praying for people, and people fall out under encounter, having uh, encounters with heaven, and they're on the floor for five, six, seven, eight hours. Then I go to a, a country in northern Africa, predominantly Islamic country where it is illegal to share the gospel, and we do closed meetings with university students. 
and we start praying for people and Muslims gave their lives to the Lord. Christians had radical encounters with Jesus and they were taken up into heaven having encounters. Now here's what's crazy about almost every encounter that I heard told back to me. Almost every single one of them was Jesus telling them, prepare for the harvest, prepare for the harvest, prepare for the harvest. All different nations. I get all, I could just Pentecostal run around the building myself. I get so excited about it. Here's the thing. If you don't understand the culture that you're a part of, you will be more aware of what the news is telling you. You'll be more aware of the things that are happening around you than what's happening in the kingdom right now. It's Pentecost season in the kingdom. His spirit is being poured out. The nations are being touched. And people are coming to Jesus at a rate that we've not seen in my lifetime. They're not telling you that on the news. Which culture do you want to be a part of? Which one do you want to be more aware of? I want to look at just some basic things from Acts 2. If you have your Bible, we're going to go through this. Ah, I'm... Like, I know I'm an excitable person by nature, but I can't tell you how excited I am for what God is doing in the nations right now. It is harvest like we haven't seen before. It's, it's crossing denominational lines. It's crossing racial lines. It's crossing age gaps. One of the things the Lord's been talking to me about, and we've seen this multi-generational revival. No one is going to be overlooked in this season. Three, four, five-year-olds are walking in the same signs, miracles, and wonders as people who've been in the ministry for 50 years. That's insane. When you start watching five-year-olds lay hands on people and them getting healed, baptizing people, what do you want to do? I think we're supposed to baptize people. Okay. Gosh, I wish half the people that I've baptized just immediately got taken up into heaven, right? It's definitely a humbling moment. You guys know, especially in this church, you know Acts 1-8. You know the promise of Holy Spirit. You know, I'm not going to repeat the whole story, but I still find it one of the most fascinating things that Jesus said, it's better for you that I go. That still rocks me to my core. Because even, even now, there's some days that I'm like, but I just wish you were like right here. I just wish you were right. And then he'll go, I am. <laughs> oh, yeah, I forgot. I preach that, but sometimes I forget it, right? <laughs> Jesus tells the disciples, it's better for you that I leave so that you can receive the Holy Spirit. You know the story. He comes back after his death and resurrection. He tells them, wait in Jerusalem. When you receive the Holy Spirit, you will receive power, dunamis power, and they do, amen, right? And they do that. They wait. And we also, we love, in this church, we love verse 14 where it says, they were together in one accord. I love to preach on unity. I'm, I'm a big believer that unity is the one of the needed pieces for end time revival. It was the answer to, to Jesus' prayer in John 17. I've been here enough times. I probably said it before when I was reading John 17 one time. The Lord spoke to me and he said, Jessica, you can either be the answer to my prayer or the reason I had to pray it. And once he said that, I was like, okay, we're choosing unity. All right. No more offense. Amen. Praise the Lord. Okay. I won't preach on offense today. You're welcome. We're going to go just... Ask for forgiveness. Stop judging people. Stop being so sensitive. You'll be good. All right. Acts 2. 
When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. Now, the Lord has been kind of redefining some of my thoughts around unity as well, to be honest with you. I think for a long time I had this idea of unity of um, we really need to all be even on the the same page in the sense of we got to somewhat believe the same things. I know. You're like, where where is she about to go with this? This is making me real uncomfortable. You know what I realized? With them being in one court and them being all in one place, and how many of you guys watch The Chosen? You guys watch that series? I really, I'm not for cheesy Jesus stuff, but I like The Chosen. I really do. It's funny. Anyway, I, Jesus is kind of sarcastic, and he talks to me that way sometimes. I'm like, oh, I like you. Okay, so imagine Matthew and Peter from The Chosen, if you've seen that, in a room. That's what's happening. Unity. And the Lord started speaking to me. He said, Jessica, it's not about thinking the same way on all things. It's about being in agreement about what you're pursuing. You see, they they were told, go there and wait for Holy Spirit to come. They, I, I have no doubt that Peter was like, oh, he's going to be here in eight days and 37 seconds, and I know because I am the leader and the boss, and this is exactly what's going to happen. And Matthew, if we take his personality from the chosen, he's probably going to be like, I did the calculations of when Jesus said this and that, and, that, and, that, and that no doubt they weren't given a time frame, so they probably were not on the same page in every area. They probably didn't even know exactly understanding together, pastor, it's going to be like this. They didn't know. They had one purpose, one pursuit. Holy Spirit's coming, and the one we love said we need him. It wasn't about everything being on the same page. So can I tell you, sometimes you need to learn a little bit from Disney. Let it go. Let it go. Let it go. Some things aren't worth division. They're not worth it. Can we come together with all of our differences and all of our different end time theology and all of our different opinions on why COVID happened and how it happened and mask or no mask, gather or no gather, all that stuff. Can we still come together and go, listen, we're after one thing. We're after one thing. And all that other stuff is secondary because Jesus said, seek first the kingdom. Seek first the kingdom. If I can come together with you and we can agree on this, then what happens? I love it. Verse 2, and suddenly there came from heaven sound like a mighty rushing wind and it filled the entire house. I just, and it fills the I used to say, I wished I could have been there. And the Lord corrected me. And he said, no, create a place for me to do it again. 
Create a space where people gather together with one pursuit. I had a dream about, uh, gosh, I feel old. I think it was six years ago now. And it was one of those that left me just reverberating in my, my bed. And listen, I'm not ultra spiritual. That doesn't happen to me all the time. <clears throat> but I was laying in my bed and I had this dream. And in the dream, I was, I was walking into a conference building. But I could feel the presence of God in the dream, if that makes sense, outside of the walls of the conference. And I'll tell you a little secret. This is probably recorded. Don't put this on YouTube. I hate conferences. Like I've lived in, I, I've been a part of mega churches now for seven years and we, we have a new conference every weekend for every new thing. And, and it's just, dear God, I, I could never go to another conference again. And honestly, I, I would be okay with it. And so in the dream, what was crazy was I was feeling the presence of the Lord coming out of the conference. And I love the presence of the Lord. Like if, if Jesus shows up to the conference, I'm down, right? I'll let that one hit you later. So I came into the building and when I looked around the room, no one was distracted. Every single person was worshiping the Lord. And I kept walking, and I saw the poster for the conference. And listen, in Brazil, we love our, our conference posters. Like, we are all about the conference poster, right? And so I saw the conference poster, but all it said was, Jesus... And it doesn't, it doesn't translate in Portuguese. I was about to say, it doesn't translate in Portuguese. It translates in English. It was postless. In other words, don't post. Postless. You get it? And it said Jesus. And I thought, wow, this is crazy. Like, no, nobody's name is on the, on the poster. I can feel the presence of the Lord. And I'm walking through the crowd in the room, and, and the presence of God was was so thick that even as I walked by people, they weren't distracted. They didn't turn to the left or the right. Nobody had a cell phone. Everyone was worshiping the Lord. And I woke up, and I, like the presence of God was so thick that I was literally reverberating in my bed. And he spoke to me, and he said, no one would go to that conference. I said, God, I'd go. <laughs> I'd go to that conference. And he said, Jessica, find my bride that is unmoved by people's names. Find my bride that is undistracted. Find my bride that wants nothing else but me, and you will see what I will do. That was six years ago. And we've started having services at our church. I shared this with my pastors, and I said, listen, I have a burning heart that is, oh, I can't put it to rest. We've got to raise up the bride. It's time to separate the people who want to play church and the people who want to be the church. It's time to separate those that want the fame and the notoriety, and they want the YouTube videos, and they want all that other junk that comes with it, and separate those people who want Jesus and nothing else but him. Because if we're going to battle, I don't want posers. I want warriors with me. And so we created a service. We call it the hunger sessions. We just changed it to the upper room after what the Lord was telling me about Pentecost. And we have these services in an upper room in our church. And we gather and we say there's no cell phones allowed. 
I love you. It's okay if you've been checking your cell phone. I'm not judging you. We're going to judge you after this because now you're held accountable. I'm kidding. I'm messing with you. <laughs> no cell phones allowed. I told my pastor, now listen, you don't say this in a mega church. I said, pastor, I don't want cameras. I don't want you to video it. I don't want you to take pictures. It's okay. Take all the pictures you want, Caitlin. You know I love you. I don't, I don't want, I want one time a week out of our 37 services. One time a week where it's about nothing but him. And if people don't show up, I'll go by myself. But I'm going to show him that there are people who want him and nothing else. And people are coming to these services. And you won't find it on Instagram, and I won't post about it, and nobody else will, because I'll get on to them if they do. And we come for no other agenda on Tuesday nights, and you know what? There's not a speaker. There's a team of people. There's about seven of us. We rotate out sometimes. We come together. We pray and we fast at different moments throughout the week for this service. And then we come together before service and we say, what does Holy Spirit want to do tonight? How can we best facilitate an atmosphere where he can do whatever he wants to do? Put the worship team up there or not. We've had times where we didn't. Those are usually a little bit harder, kind of awkward. But when when the worship team's up there... We get them up there and we just say, okay, what are we going to do? And sometimes people give a message. Sometimes we don't. Sometimes we worship for four hours. Sometimes we worship for 10 minutes. Sometimes people give prophetic words. But every single time he shows up. Every single time he shows up. We're seeing miracles when nobody's even prayed for them. He's just, just doing them. I just talked to my friends that pastor a Holy Spirit service in Dallas that's almost exactly like this at Trinity Church, large church. They have Saturday night Holy Spirit. Hey, yeah, Trinity Church. <laughs> Same name. <laughs> Saturday, Saturday nights, they have Holy Spirit services. They just told me about a young boy who came in, and he was crippled for most of his life. And in the middle of worship, he just got healed and took off running. Yeah. Merca. That was in Texas. Yeah. Nobody even prayed for him. They just worshiped. They said, we're seeing miracles, deaf ears pop open. They had one night where 14 deaf ears popped open. What are they doing on Saturday nights? They're just seeking Holy Spirit. So you keep going here. He shows in. He fills the entire house. Divided tongues as a fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. And when I was reading that, there was something that stuck out to me. I'm going to tell you a piece of theology that I've had for a long time that Holy Spirit is violating. (laughs) Has he ever violated your theology? (laughs) Bill says he'll offend your mind to get to your heart. For the longest time in ministry, I'd been told, um, pay attention where Holy Spirit's moving in the room. And this this is good advice. He said, he won't touch everybody. I've been, I've been told that hundreds of times as young ministers. He won't touch everybody. Look for who he's touching. And there's a lot of great ministers that I respect that follow that rule, and, and I, I get it. You want to see where Holy Spirit's moving. You want to partner with him. But as I read this, Holy Spirit spoke to me. He said, Jessica, when everyone in the room has one focus together, 
I come and I touch everyone. You see, I've been adapting a lesser theology thinking that, man, if 50% of the people get healed, we did really good. If 50% of the people got touched, we're having a great meeting. Randy Clark will tell you about 30% of people get healed in his meetings. We're coming back to this season of a Pentecost season, and it's about everyone in the room being focused on one thing. And when we do that, he pours himself out, and every single person gets touched. I'll tell one more Bill story. He told us when they were out in Weaverville, which is where Bethel Church actually began, small little town, you know, Liberty's even bigger than, than Weaverville is. And they would have these crazy services, you know, demons shrieking and running out of the room, angels showing up in the room, people getting healed, all happening in this little bitty no-name church in the middle of Weaverville. And he said, we would have these witches, sorry if this messes with your theology, we would have witches come into the back of the room and they would start trying to curse us and they would put blood on the church lawn and they were doing all this kind of stuff trying to stop what God was doing. And he said, you know, when we came out to Reading, we started having an outpouring. He said, it happened for a little while, but then the smartphone was invented. He said, ever since the smartphone was invented, we don't have witches coming to distract us anymore. Because wow. people distract themselves. Wow. Yeah. There's such a war for our attention. Yeah. And even deeper than that, there is a war for our affection. But what we don't understand is that God shows up when people are in unity and pursuit. When we come together and we stop looking to the left and to the right, and are they looking at me? Is pastor looking at me? And all of our different things that we allow to distract us, and we sit there and we think, what about this and what about that? And let me pull up my phone because my brain is conditioned to just pull up Instagram the moment that I disengage. And so I just start scrolling, and before I know it, it's been 20 minutes, and pastor's still preaching. And we wonder why we're not seeing the outpouring. It's because (laughs) I love you. I love you. But there's other things that you want. I'm, I'm telling you this as someone who has spent literally the last two years, this is all the Lord keeps harping me on. Here's another thing you want. Here's another thing you want. You see it? Oh. I thought one thing that I desire, one thing that I seek, right? Like we sing the song, I preach it. I didn't realize I had a thousand other desires. Pull that weed out, pull that weed out, pull that weed out, pull that weed out. Don't get all somber on me. Do I need to tell a joke? Should I tell a funny story? I can tell a funny story. I was, I was in Northern Africa, and I was riding with uh, a girl, and as we're riding in the car, I said, man, uh, some of these stories I'm hearing from your people, there's, there's so, much, so much persecution going on, right? And she says, hold, hold on one second, I, I can't talk about this with my phone on. Oh, 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 creepy, are they listening to you all the time? She turns off her phone, and, and then she stops, and she says, listen, I don't think we're that persecuted. I said, you could have fooled me. <laughs> she said, yeah, you know, 
we're not allowed to evangelize. We're not, and she's telling me stories. People have been taken to jail and beaten for evangelizing. But she says, just three hours south of here, a terrorist group came through, gave letters to every single Christian within a 50-mile radius, and told them, if you're not gone in seven days, we'll kill you. She said every single Christian in that region had to flee for their lives, still afraid that they would chase them down and murder them. She said, we're really not that persecuted. We just get beaten if we get caught. That was a humbling moment. I was trying to tell a funny story. That didn't work, did it? They're seeing a massive outpouring inside their services because if you have anything else that you want, you don't go. You would not risk your life for something you weren't sold out for. We're comfortable. And we've been allowed to keep church, religion, Jesus, and all the other things that we really want to. We've, we've seen people prostitute the anointing for fame and money. I was just with a, a known prophet a couple of days ago in Arizona at a, at a conference. And he got up and he's been through it the last year and a half for some prophecies that he gave. And it's been a crazy season for him. He's lost, like, everything, literally lost everything. And he got up and he said, God is done competing with your ministry for your affection. And the anointing of the Lord came in the room. I mean, you felt it. He's paid the price for it, too. And he said, God's done. He's done. He's drawing a line in the sand. We either want him or we want all those other things. I'm not saying you can't have them. They just can't have you. Matthew 6 is real clear. Seek first the kingdom and these things will be added to you. It's not my job to seek the other things. It's my job to seek the kingdom. And if he chooses to add them how and when he wants, that's up to him. Not my pursuit. I don't get to have an affection for that. Not when I put my life on the altar. I'm getting a little off topic. Let's keep going. Sorry, I'm passionate about that in this season. I'm, I'm moving back to the States. Um, I, my heart is burning for the States right now. I, I, am, I, am, I am burning with passion. We've seen revival and, and outpouring in Brazil. They've seen it for the last 20 years. And, and the Lord has been speaking to me so much about what you've seen in Brazil. is isn't even a portion of what I want to do in the States. It's not even a portion. And listen, he's not, he's not done with Brazil. Trust me. He's still got tons more there. But I'm moving back here because I believe that God is doing something here that we've not seen before. But first, it's going to take the stripping away and the laying down of the affections and comforts that we've so willingly embraced. And we have to let go of those things so that we can come to this place of Pentecost where we go together. There's one thing that we want. Do you understand? I love you so much. But do you understand that God sees your heart? So I could preach this sermon and have divided affection and you would applaud me, but heaven would know the truth. I'm going to take you a little further. 
I could walk in signs, miracles, and things that make you wonder. Because we know how to activate faith. We know how to walk in our gifts and still have a divided heart. If you want to see the Pentecost season, it's going to take dying to ourselves and pulling out all these weeds, these affections that we've allowed to grow too long, and coming back to this place where we truly say, there's one thing that I want. One thing. I don't need another book contract. I don't need my picture on another stinking poster. I don't need money. I don't need applause. I don't need all that. I need him to pour out like he said he would, and I won't turn until I see the fulfillment of what he said was coming. I won't change the subject. So here's the next part. This is the part. This is the, that's the cleaning out part, right? And then the next part happens. And that's Holy Spirit comes in and he breathes in and he rests on each one. And it says in verse 4, they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. I will not apologize for the weird things Holy Spirit does. I'm sorry. I tell churches before I, I know I'm okay here. I tell churches before I come. I, I'm sorry. He he does weird things. I'm I that's you know, yeah he loves it. Decently in an order has its own manifestations with him, but I'm not going to set him aside so that I don't make you that I so that I keep you from being uncomfortable. If you want Holy Spirit to show up in fullness, you're gonna have to be okay with things being a little weird. And a little uncomfortable. Don't bail. Press in. Don't walk out the door and quit. Say, give me more. And sometimes he'll be super nice. There's times where I go, that was real weird. Can you explain that to me? Are we talking about that or are we just going to trust you and move on? And sometimes he'll share with me and sometimes he goes, just trust me. Okay, I don't like it, but okay. I'm just being honest. Weird stuff sometimes. Holy Spirit comes in. People start speaking in tongues. We One of the things that was happening in Kentucky is all these people that were getting baptized, Christians and not, started getting delivered to demons. So you're baptizing them, and then they come up shrieking. Ah, well, that's not normal. You know? Deliverance team became everybody. Literally. You thought you signed up for baptisms. You're actually deliverance. Right? I was like, amen. It's about time. Oh, that actually. This is the, the part. This is the, let's, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna camp here. I feel the Lord on this. Here's the thing that happens. When Holy Spirit actually shows up and fills you, fills you, He takes you outside of the building, which we already know that, right? What's the first thing they did when he showed up? They didn't say, actually, they did not go, this is really great. Let's have an intercession moment and keep praying in tongues. 
I love intercession. I'm all for it. I think we need to seek him and go after him. But you need to understand that the first evidence that you have been marked by Holy Spirit is you leave the building and you do something with what's been given to you. And here's the other thing that, that, is, that is shifting and changing. We've heard it preached a thousand times. I know you've heard, had it preached in this. I know Pastor Cameron. I know that he believes this. I know Pastor Andrew and Becky and Caitlin. I know they're all, all believers in this. But I'm telling you, it, it can't be theory anymore. It's got to be personal responsibility of the moment of saying this. When I receive Holy Spirit, I have now signed up to do something. Ephesians 4 tells us that the fivefold ministry is for the equipping of the saints for the working of the ministry. It's not for the equipping of the saints just so they can pay their tithes. It's not for the equipping of the saints so that they can show up every Sunday and our parking lot looks full. It's not for the equipping of the saints so that they can buy our merchandise. We have a great merchandise t-shirt graphic designer in Brazil. And everybody in our church wears our sweatshirts. And I tell our students when I get to to teach to them on Saturday nights, don't wear our sweatshirt if you're not praying for people. (laughs) Take it off. I don't want them to know you're you're from our church. If you're not stopping people in the mall and praying for them, I don't want them to know you go to our church. If someone in a wheelchair passes you, you better not be wearing one of our sweatshirts. I'm highly offensive sometimes. <laughs> Jason's got an incredible healing anointing. I've been to some of his meetings. Incredible healing anointing. Carries the fire. You're supposed to do it too. Please don't just come sit Sunday nights. When, when do you do your healing meetings? Sunday nights? Don't just come, wait, get injured on Tuesday, and go, I better wait till Sunday night. That's ridiculous. Pentecost is here. You have Holy Spirit. Pray for yourself. And if, if it, listen, sometimes when you feel pain in your own body, I get it. It's hard. Call somebody up. We're all part of it now. And this is the thing that is shifting. This is what I want to harp on for the end of heart. Oh, and then I got something else I want to do. Can, where is Carrie? Okay. Give me five minutes. All right. The Lord told me, my church has been fishing with a fishing pole, and I'm wanting them to fish with nets. I said, God, what's the difference? He said, Jessica, when you fish with a fishing pole, first off, you can only catch one fish at a time. If you're lucky, too. That's a weird thing, but it can happen. Second, you ready for this? This was, for you fishermen, this probably isn't new. For me, this was a revelation from the Lord. He said, Jessica, when you fish with a fishing pole, only hungry fish get caught. They're biting the bait. When you fish with a net, anybody in proximity gets caught, whether they're hungry or not. In Pentecost season, we start, we start fishing with nets. We go out in Holy Spirit, and we start seeing him catch people who didn't even want him. You're walking through Walmart, and the Lord highlights somebody who doesn't even want your prayer, and he'll catch them. I had another friend that's been seeing these revivals, they've, again, thousands over the summer that they've been seeing. And she said, man, it's like they're jumping in the boat. We don't even need to cast the net some days. <laughs> that's the season that we're in in the States. That's the season that we're in. 
But if you don't understand, going back from the beginning, if you don't understand your culture, if you're not listening to the king, if you're not discerning the times, then what you think is that this is the worst time in history to be alive. We're dealing with a pandemic, inflation this, economy this, presidents this, this president or that president. You hate one, of, one or the two because they're both so polarizing. So you hate one of them. And we're in this season where everybody's watching all of that. And at the same time, the greatest harvest is occurring. And people are sitting in pews on Sunday morning and they don't even know it. If you go out with your net at lunch today, find somebody to pray for. When you go to your job, find somebody to pray for. You don't have to be a pastor. You, sh <laughs> you shouldn't put everything on your pastor to do. I am filled with Holy Spirit. I am a part of this army. I am ready to take responsibility for what it means to have the creator of the universe living on the inside of me. And what a shame to stand before the Lord one day and say, yeah, I had you inside of me, but I didn't do anything with it. I watched the news and I was really afraid. <laughs> Are y'all okay? <clears throat> I'm so, 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 so convinced that it, it permeates every, every, literally almost every minute of my day right now. The, the expect, expectation that I have in my heart for what God is doing and the urgency I feel to say it's Pentecost season. Get ready. He's pouring out and then he's requiring you to go do something with it. He's drawing that line in the sand and he's saying, who's going to be a part of this? And I know there's a million other things you can be thinking about in this season. I know it. But he's asking you if you will set aside every other thing that is vying for your attention and make him your one pursuit. And when we do that, we're going to see an outpouring like we've never seen before. And it's already beginning. It's already beginning. Stand up real quick. I want to pray for you. And then I've got one other thing that I want us to do. My hope is that you hear this message and that there's something inside of you that just starts beating again. You realize that's what revival is. It's taking dead things and bringing it to life. I hope there's something inside of you that says, okay, if this is happening, if this really is happening, I want to be a part of it. I hope there is something inside of you that gets uncomfortable enough to say, I can't sit in a pew anymore. I can't let the, the, the height of my Christian identity just be a Sunday morning service. I love Sunday morning. Please come. This is a great church and a great family to be a part of. But my God, we should be showing up here on Sunday mornings, not going, God, fill me up. I'm so drained. But going, Pastor, I got testimonies. Can we share them? And for too long, this has been like the, the place where people barely skirt in on Sunday morning because they got beat up all week and they're going, God, please fill me up. I'm so dry. And I'm like, no, this should be where we come together and go, God did so much this week. Let's celebrate. Yeah. People got delivered. People got
got healed. People got saved. Oh my gosh, the church was the church this week. Crazy. We actually start doing things out of overflow instead of lack. Pentecost. One pursuit. Holy Spirit shows up. They get filled up. They go out and they literally change the world. This is not the church's darkest hour. This is the hour where we shine. We were, we were, like, we were built for this. Like, who needs faith when nothing's going wrong? This is when we shine. This is when we go, I know a solution. I have an answer for you. So listen, I just want to take a couple of minutes. I just, you know, there has to be a response, right? If you want to, to respond. But I, I can't just pray for you and end it, okay? Because there has, to, there has to be a moment where you get with the Lord and you go, I'm, I'm in or I'm not, right? I'm on the team or I'm not. Do you realize there's no bench sitters in the kingdom? You're either on the field or you're not. Can I say one more thing? This is for you, Pastor Cameron. You ready? This is for you. My spiritual father is 62, 63 years old. And uh, he's seen revival and, my God, all the things. And he preaches a lot about passing on the baton. Passing on the baton, right? We've all been told that, that a lot is, this is like a relay race. And when you get older, you pass the baton on to the younger generation. And he always means it as a way of, of honoring me in ministry and saying, I'm, I'm passing the baton on to you. Like, it's your turn, baby, go. He always means it as encouraging. And I was traveling with my spiritual mom. She has an insane healing and prophetic anointing. I mean, just my God, she'll blow your socks off. And I've been traveling with her for the last couple of months and she said something to me about the baton and I went to bed that night irritated with her. I'm just being honest. And I said, God, she is so anointed. She better not pass the baton. I need her on the track. I need her running with me. This is not a good time to pass off the baton. And he said, Jessica, I never said it was a relay race. Man did. I said, oh, what's it like? He said, it's like roller derby. (laughs) I said, God, I don't know anything about roller derby. He said, in roller derby, everybody stays on the track. They stay on the track. Pastor Cameron, you got to stay on the track. Pastor Becky, stay on the track. Our older friends in the church. We're not passing off the baton. We're linking together. We're doing this thing together. It is a multi-generational harvest. Multi-racial. My black and Mexican, and I could go purple or yellow or green or whatever you are. We're in this together. We're in this together. Multi-generational. Multi-racial multi-denominational if you're in here and you've hated everything i said because i mentioned praying in tongues we still love you we still need you we're in this together 
And we don't have to agree on every little thing. We need to agree on one thing. What are we seeking? What are we running after? If we can get into agreement on that, let's link arms. Let's play some roller derby, which I hear is a lot more brutal than track running. Never seen roller derby in my life. I want to give you a moment to respond, and, and then I have something. Actually, let's do both at the same time. I'm just going to be weird. I'm sorry. Can you guys come up? All four of you. I love you. Listen, it's a 40-year anniversary, right? That's a really big deal. Pastor Cameron and Pastor Becky have been in ministry longer than I've been alive. So that's a real humbling moment for me right there, right? They've done an incredible job. Pastor Cameron, I know the season has been crazy for you the last few years. And you have raised up two incredible people, a son and a daughter, to run with this house. And they've done an amazing job. Look at me in the eyes. You've done an amazing job. And so I really do. There's two things. I know this is weird. It's, it's going to be fine. It's going to be fine. It's always going to be fine. It's Holy Spirit. There's two things I feel like we need to do to, to end finishing everything that I feel like Holy Spirit wants to do. One, Carrie, if you can bring that up, if you guys will sit down. I, I, really, I really want to honor them by washing their feet. And I know, listen, I've had people do this to me once or twice. It's real awkward. I'm sorry. But I, it's a spiritual act. It's not just a, this isn't for show. I really feel like this was something Holy Spirit said needed to be done. And I'm going to let you guys take part in this as well. So listen, there's two things I want to do as we do this. One I began by saying, you've got to understand how the kingdom operates and you need to understand that the kingdom operates in honor. It operates in honor. Honor unleashes Holy Spirit in the most radical and divine ways. There is something that occurs when we choose to honor people and understand there's a big difference in glorifying someone and honoring someone. We're supposed to honor people. They're not Jesus, (laughs) but there are leaders that Jesus chose. And so when we honor them as the, the leadership that he's put over this house, you unlock blessing in your own life. If you dishonor them, you unlock curses in your own life. Do you realize that works both ways? It's either in or out. You don't get to toe the line. And so I, feel, I, I really felt even before I showed up today that we needed to take some time to allow the body to honor you, to wash your feet. Pastor Becky, I I know this is a new season for you. I know this is a new house. You being here is, it's not just because you married him. All right. I want you guys to not just wash their feet. I want you to to prophesy over them as you come up. Uh, I can feel sometimes the tension in the room. People are like, but I'm not prophetic. Yes, you are. 
You have Holy Spirit. At the very least, bless them, pray for them, love them, encourage them. There's a shift happening in this church, and I've been praying. Andrew contacted me months ago, and so I've been praying about this this day a lot. Just, and the one thing that I've known was this. It was really the only thing that I knew for sure was this moment. And I truly believe that as, as you as a body, as you honor them, it's going to unlock things in this house and in your own personal lives that we haven't seen before. That, that, that God is going to honor this house in the way that we honored them this morning. 40 years, man, that is a long time. You've been faithful. You've not swayed. Your parent, I mean, your kids still speak highly of you. That's a miracle, you know. PKs are usually the first ones to take a shot, you know? <laughs> Not your kids. That's right. And now a pastor. And you two have stepped into big shoes and you've done it well. So we're going to honor you guys this morning and bless you. The other thing that I want to do, because I don't want to leave that moment alone, is as people are coming up and honoring them, I want us to just kind of stay in this moment where you sit in your seat with Holy Spirit or you can come up to the altar or whatever you need to do. But it's this, uh, th- this shaking that has occurred in the last year is a moment for us as the body of Christ to, to honestly use a word that we don't like in the church anymore called repent. It's a beautiful word. It's an invitation. It's a good thing. It's where we stop and we go, okay, Lord, I repent. I actually, I see the weeds I've allowed to grow in my garden. I see the other affections, I see the other distractions, I see the things that I've put above you, and I actually don't want those in my garden anymore. I don't want there to be anything that dilutes my affection. I don't want there to be anything that dilutes my attention. I'm sorry if I've, if I've held back. I'm sorry if I've hidden things. I'm sorry if I've chosen fear in this last season. Forgive me and let's move forward. But if, if we're drawing a line, I'm in. I'm in. I'm with you. And I want you to take this time and come up as there's space for you to come up and honor them and love them, but also take this time to sit with Holy Spirit. He can do two things at once, okay? I promise. And so I'm gonna, I'm gonna start with you guys, with washing your feet, and then I just invite you guys to come up and do the same. <laughs>